Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Can you believe that it's been 40 years since Octopussy was released in cinemas? Back in 1983, we had the unique situation where not one, but two Bond films were coming out. Yeah, imagine that now. And Octopussy was the Eon production that is commonly known as the official one. But we can't recommend Kevin McClory's rival film, Never Say Never Again, enough. Octopussy was coming up against the might of Sean Connery and the rights to Blofeld and Spectre, but had several things that any other rival film could never have. Firstly, the gun barrel. Yeah, remember them? They also had the Bond theme itself, and composer John Barry was back. They had all the series regulars, including director John Glenn, screenwriters Dick Maybaum and Michael G. Wilson, producer Cubby Broccoli, as well as cast regulars Robert Brown, Desmond Llewellyn and Lois Maxwell. But its prize assets was, of course, Roger Moore, returning for the sixth time as 007. The result was arguably the Bond which had everything. A spectacular pre-title sequence, exotic locations, less exotic locations, a serious and complicated Cold War plot, a megalomaniac villain, a charming realistic villain, two stunning Bond girls, gadgets galore, a string of set pieces which went further than any before. It had silly humour. It had deadly serious moments. It had tense scenes. It had ridiculous moments. It had a pulsating finale, and it packed all this into just over two hours. Maybe for some this was the film's biggest problem, an uneven tone and lack of consistency. But for us, it remains the Bond film we watched the most as kids, and the one we can come back to again and again. To celebrate the anniversary, we gathered to discuss why we love the film so much, and it was great to have so many of you guys contribute with your thoughts. You'll also see snippets from our interviews with director John Glenn, Tony and David Meyer, who played Mishka and Grishka, Kabia Bedi's turban expert, Del Singh, 
Paul Weston, who coordinated all the stunts, Andy Bradford, who played 009, and special effects designer John Richardson. You may notice that Steve Clamp is having his dinner throughout our chat, but sit back, relax, and listen to us waffle on about one of the greatest films ever made. I was 11 years old in 1983 and had seen Fear Eyes Only the year uh, a couple of years before, so I was already hooked. And there was a lot of television bits and pieces and there was all lots of excitement going on. And, of course, the thing that was really in and around that time, I suppose a bit later on, was the 21st anniversary. It was the 21st anniversary in 1983. And they had this terrific show on ITV, you know, uh, 21 years of James. Ronald Reagan was making comments about <laughs> it. And they had celebrities of the day commenting about how marvellous Bond was. And, of course, cinemas had changed a lot. You could walk in partway through the movie, stay right the way through the first part of the movie, then people would leave. So we were in there from the start of the film. We arrived uh, well before the Pearl and Dean and the trailers. <laughs> it was the Curzon Cinema in Loughborough, which is still there and still doing business today. There was that constant stream of people who were coming in and were arriving at a certain point, and then they would leave because they'd arrived earlier at a previous point, and then they wouldn't leave. I didn't realise what that was until <laughs> later on. I yeah. realised that was going on. Very odd. You, you don't do that now, you know? <laughs> um, but the overall experience itself, it was a Friday night. I think it was a Friday night, a Friday, Saturday night, certainly. It was packed. It was a family audience. The pre-title sequence had roars of laughter, mm. cheering, you know, and these were everyday folk. These weren't designated Bond fans. Like, you would go and see a... Uh, you know, a midnight screening as we used to do back in the day, uh, which were just fans. But this was family audiences and people loved it, you know. Action. This is John Glenn. You're listening to Really <laughs> 007 Podcast. There seems to be down. quite a lot in, in your films of these characters, these people who are living rurally or these people who, like the guy at the petrol pump in Oxbussy, for example. <laughs> are they people that you would are they people that you would find just hanging around, or are they actual actors or how do they fit into the to the, the casting? They were the, one in yeah, the one in uh, Octopussy was an actor. Um, <laughs> we shot that on, shot that on Pinewood. Um, Peter Lamont built a, a little petrol station. That line, fill her up, and then the title <laughs> come up. And then people, yeah, and they were loving it. You know, it was really fabulous. So, yeah, it was a great experience. I remember seeing it at the time. And then I don't think I saw it again until probably the mid-90s, I would have thought, when the when the videos came out, the video collection. Well, I'd probably seen it maybe, I'm not entirely certain, what year it came out on TV. I don't remember when it came out on TV the first time. Certainly, it was either that or then watching it on the television. And, again, that was a uh, another great experience because a Bond movie premiered a Bond movie on, on ITV was a big thing back then and it would get you know the front cover of the TV Times and all that sort of stuff which um, back in the day when you had your two magazines your TV Times and yeah. your radio so. <laughs> you could have seen like Few Eyes Only in 81 and then Octopus in 83 A View to a Kill in 85 and then yeah. only then does Few Eyes Only come on TV 
Yes, I think it was. I think it was that it was the '87 collection. That's right. So it was that was the grey covered VHSs. I remember those, and I think that was the first time that I owned it, and then subsequently got them for Christmas or birthday. I think leading up to that point. <laughs> uh, but it was a great experience to see it at the time, and it's it's always stuck with me, you know. And around that sort of time, again, we we would see similar movies of similar. Oh, you like this? Well, you like Superman three? That's coming out. Yeah. Soon. <laughs> the trailer for that and all that sort of stuff. So it was brilliant. Really good times, but. Um, it's always been one of my favorites definitely but uh, it was um it was great to see the response that it got back then as again as i say from ordinary paying punters what was the reaction from sort of the the general public at the time is these things are quite difficult to tell nowadays yeah true i i think um back then people knew what they were getting they went because they wanted to have um a really daft pre-title sequence something funny uh, Roger doing lots of quips, kissing the girls, going off to exciting locations. Uh, you know, a, a funny thing also when he arrives in India and VJ plays the Bond theme on the on the mm. he's charming the snake. You know, belly laughs, belly yeah. laughs in the audience. <laughs> oh, you know, all that sort of stuff going on, and Dad giving me the elbow because he goes, "Oh, that's the Bond theme." <laughs> so that sort of stuff, which I thought was really nice. nowadays maybe we just go oh you know there you get that a lot it was good you know you knew exactly what you were getting right we're going to come at you'll like this if you haven't seen a bond you'll like this and, mm. and somebody once said um it was a question on twitter it might have been on another group and they said uh my my nine-year-old son has never seen bond what's the what's the first thing to start it octopusy throw yeah. octopusy at him yeah. mm. he ticks every single box uh and, which it does you know it's suspenseful from an adult point of view, but from a, chi a child's point of view, and I was 11, this guy's fantastic. You know, this this whole character of Bond is really, really special. I'd like to be him one day, you know, that sort of stuff. And <laughs> he knows his way around a menu. He knows the, the, all the all the, all, all the barm and know him and all that sort of stuff. And, and it's just, you think, hey, this guy's got something. He gets a, a wardrobe problem with his jacket. Well, he just hands it to somebody and they bring it back fixed. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's brilliant. How are you? Most unhappy 007, thanks to you. How can I be expected to maintain the quality of my work? Sent out here at a moment's notice? No proper facilities? Yes, well, you wouldn't have a smaller piece of thread than that, would you? Curious, somebody seems to have stuck a knife in my wallet. Oh, they missed you. What a pity. Karen, see to that, will you? I have uh, also mislaid my PPK. Anything else? Oh, that's okay. <laughs> All the other stuff, which I realised later on in life, like the zooming in and out uh, in the in the Q lab and all that stuff, passed me by when I was eleven. It was just that the at the time I thought this character's fantastic. Hmm. What's that? Oh, that's the latest liquid crystal TV. Hmm. Very handy. Perfect image, Q. Really, 007. 
Look, I haven't time for these adolescent antics. Oh. It's the best we can do, Commander. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you. It's a great roller coaster ride. It's a brilliant thriller. I think it's lovely. Mm. I'm Harry from Really 007, and sadly I couldn't join in with the Octopussy chats for its 40th anniversary, and I was devastated to miss it. I, like everyone, have, have got really passionate views about the film, actually. My sort of passion for the film has always been there, but I think it really um, kind of kicked into gear once we reviewed it as a podcast, even though I wasn't on that episode, listening to the podcast and the love was just amazing. Tom, my oldest brother, has always gone on about it and still does. <laughs> I think it's way up there for him, maybe even in second or first place. Um, but that's been a bit infectious and I've started to develop a real appreciation for the film um, that has added an extra layer on top uh, for my love for it because it's not been that I've never loved it. I've always loved Octopussy. Octopussy has been a very fond and familiar film for me growing up. We always watched the Roger Moores as brothers on video and Octopussy was one of those that we kept putting into the uh, the video player over and over again until it probably wore out. But it's only in recent years, obviously being a bit more grown up now, only a bit more grown up, that I've started to notice things that are actually quite special about this film. I, like many others, have a real fondness for John Glenn. And this, for me, is kind of John Glenn and Roger Moore hitting their stride with a few things. I absolutely love For Your Eyes Only. It's one of my favourites, and I will always champion it. But it feels like this is the one where Glenn and Moore strike an unbelievable balance of all those things that we're so familiar with now in terms of action, story comedy, romance, emotion, threat, all the things that John Glenn gets in the perfect balance, we see them here in Octopussy, because what it has, perhaps compared to Fiore's only, is the more exotic location. Um, and as John Glenn's mentioned before, he loves animals and working with animals. And you see that kind of coming through in Octopussy in abundance. And I know some bits are, are perhaps go a bit beyond and you know some people might view as silly. Um, but not for me at all. I enjoy them. They're, they're entertaining. John Glenn is so efficient with his filmmaking and so, so entertaining. So much so that I don't fully understand Octopussy. And I know there are a lot of people that don't fully understand Octopussy in terms of the Fabergé eggs and switching them and which one's which. And not just that, but how it links in with the plot. It's a complicated film, but goodness me, it's entertaining. I, I am showing it my five-year-old um, and they are loving it. And it's not just to do with the plot. Of course, it's probably hardly anything to do with the plot. It's to do with what they're seeing James Bond do, the places he's going to. It's not just locations in terms of countries, but in terms of like the palaces, the circus tent, those places, just brilliant places to look at. And not typical places where you'd have an action adventure like we do here with James Bond. As well as Roger Moore being absolutely brilliant in it, um, he's obviously just superb and I don't need to go on too much, but it's a great set of characters he has around him. Um, VJ is an incredible ally who is so warm and you almost immediately feel um, uh, a connection with and you want to have more time with him on screen. John Glenn is able to do what he does best and Kill, kill him off, which has great emotional impact. And it then brings out that side of Roger Moore where he wants justice for an ally that he's lost, just like he did 
in Three Eyes Only. And then you've got Maud Adams as Octopus, who's just a brilliant, brilliant character. Brings incredible mystery um, to the film. Obviously, the title is Octopussy, but despite that, she just adds a whole mist of, of questions and mystery and relationships uh, on uh, in the film. She, she has a really interesting twist on. Obviously, her relationship with Bond is absolutely brilliant, and I know a lot of people think that she is Roger Moore's Bond woman. Um, but it's also her relationships with, well, Kamal Khan. Um, that is an incredible and really interesting dynamic. You know, not many other Bond films have kind of have gone down, and it's it creates so many questions for us as a, a viewer when you certainly when you're watching it for the first time and you're trying to work out who she is and who she is for. Those relationships are brilliantly done, but it's not you know it's not just her. I've mentioned Kamal Khan. What a brilliant villain he is! Again, really original, totally different, charming but slimy, scary but civilized, uh, and all, he can do things without moving many muscles. You know, he's rigid and doesn't give much away with his facial expressions, but he is scary. He can make scary and bad things happen and you get that really clearly from what he says and what he does and obviously he's got Gabinda a brilliant brilliant henchman again not seen anything like that before you know with so many films into the franchise and with this is something new Gabinda and he is scary without doing an enormous amount it's presence there's so much presence from the characters in these films Burkhoff just doing an incredible incredible job he offers a different type of uh, villainy where he is uh, ruthless, rigorous and pushing too much. It all eventually just, it, it doesn't work out for him. But you've got so much going on in this film in so many amazing locations. And I've mentioned action adventure, but there are the bits of comedy, of course. But what about that fairly scary, horrifying opening with uh, 009 wearing the clown outfits, the clown fits? Um, and the twins, I mean, these, this is just an ensemble of amazing, amazing characters in incredible places following the trail of a brilliant mystery. And it climaxes in a really underrated fashion, I think. You know, this plane fight and setting Octopussy free on the plane and managing to get off into just amazing things and a great death for Kamal Khan. Perhaps some of the reason we've talked about it and many people have talked about how Bond dressing up as a clown is silly and that mistakenly gets put at the front of people's minds as a silly thing. But I actually think it's brilliant in the film. I think it's an incredible technique to bring tension and juxtapose, juxtapose all that intense, that intensity from diffusing a bomb with this disguise and the expression of the clown. It's just um, incredible. And uh, Roger Moore does that so well. These outfits that you get, that clown outfit that's used a few times um, obviously Bond dresses as a gorilla uh, just for a moment or two but there's there's just so much to mention you know some people put this clown thing at the forefront and misrepresent it and I think even the title might make some people think that this is just a silly one you know Roger Moore has the reputation of being the fun fun one and he's in a film called Octopussy so some people might think oh you know Typical Roger Moore, James Bond. Um, but no, this is a serious film with a, a plot that thickens and thickens. 
and um, concludes in an epic way and takes Bond to some desperate places with the death of VJ and uh, following Octopussy and the history that those two characters have together, Bond and Octopussy. It is not a silly film. There are silly moments in it. Not silly in a bad way. There are fun moments, I mean. But this is a very, very strong spy action adventure. It's an adventure. And there is elements of thriller. There's horror in there. It's got everything. And I think that's why, for me, it's a really good Sunday afternoon James Bond film. It's adventurous. It's ambitious. It is efficient in its storytelling. And it's in incredibly entertaining. So I think it's a massive hats off to the cast members and John Glenn and all the cast and crew that have put so much into that this film because it, it it's a one-off, isn't it? It's, it's unlike any other, really. And that's something to be applauded. And something I always want to see from a new Bond film, how they can stick within the formula of a James Bond film but innovate and bring new and fresh ideas within the formula. And that is just what you get with Octopussy. It goes to places and does things that haven't been seen before, but within the James Bond formula. Um, and I think it needs huge, huge admiration for what it does and shouldn't be written, written off as, as silly at all. But in fact, it should be taken really seriously as one of the strongest James Bond films. Hello, it is I, Darren Bithell, ready to eulogise about a film that has caused many a friend to groan whenever I effortlessly commence a James Bond section of any conversation. I knew Bond existed prior to ITV's 21st anniversary James Bond celebration on the 31st of May 1983. I had the battered Corgi Drax and Stromberg helicopters, the Lotus Esprit, and created my own action sequences pushing them round and round the buffet and the hostess trolley. It was when I saw clips that included the real vehicles during this celebration that my head was fully turned. Prior to this mind-blowing experience, I think I'd only been to the cinema a few times beforehand, but nothing, nothing affected me as much as leaving a cinema than Octopussy. As one gets older, the memory is more prone to playing tricks. But nearly 40 years on, that day will always be embedded in my mind, no matter how accurate I remember it or not. Seeing it late last year on the big screen brought it all back, and despite the lack of love Octopussy has amongst the community, and there is the indefensible at times, I will defend this film to the hilt and can instantly channel a general all-off rant for this film's strengths. The community is decadent and divided. It has no stomach to take a circus clown disguise. You always remember significant firsts in your life, and the sentiment it creates does cloud one's objectivity about the film. Yet without Octopussy, I wouldn't have stuck out like a sore thumb at school become different. I have joked in the past in saying without Octopussy I would have had a life but I've had a different life and the love I have for the franchise will remain as strong until all my time on this world has gone. Dom Cook gave us his thoughts on Octopussy. For me there's so much class about it that you sort of don't really have to think much and you can just put it on. I really like this one there's a lot going on you've got the main mission which Bond is doing and then you've got General Orlov's side mission which to be honest I've never really understood however he just stands out with his red face and his speech which is like this and everything is just yeah he puts such an emphasis on what he says the pre-titles with Bond on the mission in the looks like Cuba but it's not Cuba the uh, little plane fill her up please but it's just the contrast of this. So he starts in the Cuban island, then London, then India. 
and then Germany, and then back to India again. It's just brilliant of, of its time. Roger's looking older in this one, but he still looks good as Bond, even then. Octopussy herself, Maud Asams, what an actress. Really like her, to be honest. Magda, you think she's bad, but then she turns out good in the end. I like her. Kamal Khan, he doesn't stand out that much, but he does have some good lines. Soon to be extinct. I really like Q in this, going all the way out to India as well. The henchman, Gabinda, silent but deadly. I like him. And of course, VJ, the um, tennis player. And there was a few tennis gags in the film as well. That clown chase at the beginning, it's very terrifying. There's so much tension there, the silence and then the balloon popping. And then at the end where Bond's dressed as a clown himself, which might be a bit silly, but I can deal with it because he needs to be dressed as a clown to get away from the police. I can't believe Octopussy is now 40 years old. It seems crazy. It's definitely one that I'm going to be watching again very soon. Chris, were you old enough? No, you weren't old enough to see it. Uh, no, <laughs> no, I wasn't old enough. I was alive. Quite as old as me. <laughs> no. So I was, well, I would have been two. Um, so, yeah. So I, did, I don't, obviously didn't see it at the cinema. Um, I, I, I think my earliest memory of Octopussy was, was ITV, possibly Christmas. It was certainly a bank holiday. And watching it with the family, and I think it may have, yeah, may, may have been like the first Bond film that my grandparents had seen for years or something like that. And it went down just as you'd expect. Everyone laughed at all, like like John said, everyone laughed at the right moments. Everyone was like glued, you know, to, to the stunts and everything. He just he just played as you'd expect, you know. That that like I say, everything hit perfectly. So I remember, I distinctly remember watching that, and then I hadn't seen it for a long time until obviously he was asked to to, to review it for our first episode yeah, on this, yeah. and it'd been a long time since I'd seen it. And I'd over the years, it's slightly I don't know. I think I think because I just remember it being quite plot heavy. That's but that was my memories that like you say a lot lots of talking. You know, fast forward to talking oh, business. <laughs> I just re- I just remember it being um in India, lots of talking, um, and s- something to do with an auction. And, and and then when I went back and watched it, I was I was so surprised just how well and like like John said, it's such a great thriller and it's such an engaging story that uh isn't always it's not always the easiest thing the plot to follow in terms of who's doing what with what jewelry and to whom um but you know that that's the bad guy and that's the henchman and you know octopus is sort of involved in it but she's not really a baddie and you know you don't have to be you know um you know it's a sort of spoon fed the plot or anything but it's still easy to follow and it's still incredibly satisfying and the more i watch it the more it just goes up in my uh, estimation i think i think John Glenn really knows how to make a Bond film. <laughs> is all I can say, uh, and I just be, uh, and the fact that my son, uh, when he watched most of the Bond films, obviously we're not including Daniel Craig in here. That one stands out as his favourite, which, like again, goes back to John's point. You know, for kids, it, it ticks all the boxes, mm. which is surprising because for me as a kid, you know, A View to a Kill was more more to my taste. Um, but again, similarly, you know, quite yeah. quite heavy, quite complicated, <laughs> one. Uh, but brilliant. You know, Roger being Roger, you know, this is just him. Just he could. He, it's like he just. The distinction between Roger and Roger's Bond is is impossible to differentiate at this stage. <laughs> it's like who is Bond, who is Roger Moore. It's just the same thing, isn't it? But I absolutely love this film. 
Vinnie Harris told us why he loves Octopussy. The pre-title sequence is pretty stellar. Love the bunker blowing up. It's a, I think it's a pretty cool shot on there. Then Roger pulling up to the gas station. Fill her up, please. I think All Time High is a pretty lovely song. I do. I like the atmosphere of Octopussy as well. Like I think a lot of people say it's cartoonish in part, which it is a bit outrageous, but... Then you get the like quite serious parts that are a bit like what happens to Paul VJ, rest in peace, and 009 getting chased by the knife-wielding twins, Mishka and Grishka. It's got an interesting tone there as well, but also I think one of the big things I love is John Barry's music. There's just something very elegant, very exotic about it, and it's John Barry after all, and he fits upon to his tea. I'd say the cast is pretty stacked as well when you look at it obviously Roger Moore is just fantastic Maud Adams is amazing as the title character it's like a great example of escapism like at its finest you're in another world and it's just fun you know it's fun it's dangerous it's sexy hey Bond fans how's it going Northern who love me here hope you're doing well like a lot of Bond fans I just love this film it sits pretty much middle in my chart it's a good thing because just above it is like Majesty's Skyfall and Goldfinger, so it's among esteemed company in my chart. But uh, and it's actually gone up a bit in, uh, over the last sort of ten years or so for me. I always quite liked it because obviously it's got Mr. Moore in it. It's just so good. I mean, the PTS is definitely one of the best in the franchise. Just so much craft has gone into that, you know, the models and stuff at the start. You know, in the hangar and all that kind of stuff, all the inventiveness that goes on there. The song, a lot, I do find a lot of people beat on the song a little bit, but I, I love it. I love a good Bond power ballad, so I've always liked that one. And especially the um, the soundtrack and the score as well. They use the theme a lot, which is nice, and they the kind of weave that through the month, you know, with through the movie. Let's talk about the villains. I mean, uh, Louis Jordan. I mean, what can I say? He's just so urbane and charming, and he gets some nice lines in the film, you know. Even the way he says octopusy, you know, octopusy. I don't know if anybody's seen the old Dracula stuff that he does, but he's so good in that. I mean, the guy was a good-looking dude back in the day, you know, doing that. And uh, he's, he's just so cool in this, isn't he? And, uh, yeah, I love Kabinda and, you know, Kabir Bedi's good, you know. And uh, I know he's got quite a lot of female fans back in the day, that guy. Obviously, octopusy is the main villain. I think when it comes to Maud Adams, she's got the most chemistry with uh, with Bond, you know, in this, you know, in the John Glenn films, definitely. You can tell that the uh, off-screen, they, they might fancy each other a little bit, I think, watching this. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of good connections there. And uh, I think Magda's good as well, you know, she does a nice part. I'd still like to know what she says in the circus when um, she's clearly dubbed over the Back to India bit. So if anybody knows what she actually says, he's good at that kind of stuff, just let me know. Because uh, I'm still trying to work that bit out. And, uh, you know, the twins are good as well. Obviously, I can't forget to mention Stephen Burkhoff as, uh, as Olaf. That scene, you know, having to go with Gogol and the, the other guy with the eyebrows is, uh, is so good. You know, he just goes to 11 like he always does in anything that he's in, that guy. I just think the plot goes along nicely. It's, it's a nice travel aspect to this film. You know, it just looks gorgeous in India. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the allies that Bond has got in this film. I do like VJ. I think he acts well. To say the guy was just a tennis player, I think he's superb in this. And Sajuddin. Yeah, let's talk about the line in the um, the casino when he gives him the money. I think there's no. I, I still maintain there's nothing dodgy about that line. You know, if he came to Whitby and he spoke to his ally there, he'd just say that'll keep you fishing ships for a week, and nobody would bat an eyelid. So uh, for me, I'm absolutely fine with that. Like a lot of uh, fans of this film, the, the bit I do love is all the Cold War aspect to it. You know the. Uh, 
the bit in the circus with the bomb at the end, I mean, I can't think of any tenser part in a Bond film as an ending than that. I know this film does have a couple of endings, but um, obviously the bit, you know, uh, shooting down the globes in space is, is ultra tense. I think this one pretty much uh, takes the cake for the, uh, the kind of tension at the end of the film. Such good fun. Del Singh was given an extraordinary opportunity on the set of Octopussy as the turban expert for Kabir Bedi, who played henchman Gabinda. So we used to run these, um, the Singing Brothers Rock Road shows were quite legendary. We used to kind of be going out there and eating sort of taste of some of our music yeah, there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, people would book discos up um, over the phone. And one evening, sitting at home, we get a phone call. Is that Singing Brothers Road Show? Yes, it is. Uh, how can I help you? Thinking this guy wants to book a disco. And the first question he asks is, are you a Sikh? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, because the name's Singh, it's an honour to Sikh. So, and then the next question is, you know, bizarre, do you wear a turban? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, now what's this got to do with you booking a disco? And, you know, back in the day, we used to occasionally get some abuse from the National Front and stuff like that. So hey. I thought this guy's going to give us um, some grief, so I'll tell him to go and do one before he tells me. And before he said that, he goes, no, well, actually, I don't want to book a disco, but I'm friendly with Eon Productions. And I'm being a big Bond fan, um, back from the Sean Connery days and stuff and whatever, um, I sort of said to him, well, when he said, Eon, you're the guys that make James Bond films. Yep. So what are you after? And he said, well, we need your help and we need somebody who can tie a turban. Um, why? And he, he sort of mentioned, look, in the film, we've got an actor, Indian actor, doesn't wear a turban in real life, but he actually plays a kind of henchman and he needs to have a turban. And we need a turban tire or, you know, somebody who's an expert. In fact, the title became Turban Expert. And, um, I was like, yeah, I'm up for that. I mean, obviously, the idea of being in a Bond film was quite something. And then, you know, there was the potential of earning some money as well. And it was summer holidays before I went off to uni. So a bit of extra pocket money won't go amiss. And uh, I remember my brother and I turned up at this hotel the next day, um, still thinking it's going to be a wind-up. We thought this is going to be some sort of sick joke somebody's played on us um, amongst our, our soon-to-be ex-mates. It all kind of got quite real. We got sort of shown up to this top of the hotel where they're taking that entire floor walked into this room and kind of one side of the room, you know, the eyes are immediately drawn to this big smoke, puff of smoke going up and underneath it is Roger Moore with a massive cigar. Oh. Jeez, that's 007 over there. And um, and so, and then Kabir Betty comes striding across, really oh. handsome guy. Along come the costume people and stuff and they were like, you know, so introduced us and so on. And then they pulled out this piece of cloth and said, can you tie this on his head? And I said, no. And they all looked at us and said, sorry, you said you could tie a turban. They're getting quite embarrassed. I mean, we're wearing turbans. I said, could try to... I, said I could tie a turban, but that's a bath towel. Oh, right. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, I can't tie that on his head. It's like, it's about six foot long. It's a bath towel. Tur proper turban's about 13 foot long plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As it happens, I bought a turban with me, took it out of the bag. Um, it's, it was happened to be my one of my great school turbans. Um, and so I proceeded to tie this on his head. Uh, and when it went on, it looked absolutely magnificent. And, it, you know, because he's a big guy, so it layered on nicely and it looked good. And he started moving around. He said, it's not going anywhere. It's not moving. It looks good and it feels good. And, you know, I like this. And they were like, great, you know, um, you're hired. It's um, £50 a day. Hey, I thought it was pretty good for 1982. And um, yeah. uh, especially now the extras are getting about 20, 25 quid a day or something like that, I think. So I thought we're getting some decent money here. So I was a skilled profession. Um, but they said, you know, we only need one of you. I said, well, actually, we only come as a team. It's Singh Brothers. And the main reason we did that was not out of greed. It's because both my brother and I had summer jobs working at a local coal store freezing vegetables. Sounds really just as exotic. <laughs> and um, 
we knew that if one of us was on shift, the other could do the job and vice versa. And so we sort of said, sorry, we come as a team. And they said, well, okay, then fine. You both get the gig and it's £25 each. And I'm like, no, no, stop, 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 stop. Just up to 50. So it's 50 each. And they're like, no, 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 we can't do that. You know, 50 each too much. Sorry. And I'm like, thank you very much. Kabir took turban off. I said, I'll put it in my bag. We're going, bye. Good luck finding another person. And they literally looked at each other. And Kabir just sort of started walking towards the door. Kabir stopped them and said, no, no, no. I want these guys, these guys. Um, and they came over. Yeah. And they came over and said, look, we're going to do this. Uh, and I said, look, I'm not being funny, but, you know, we know what the, our worth is and stuff. And you are going to struggle to find anybody else that can do this. We kind of got that gig and both of us got it. And it just meant that we would turn up on set. And as it happens, the way everything fell that month, um, my brother was kind of like pretty much doing um, day shifts and I was doing night shifts. We got to the point where um, I I would literally do the job. He, he wouldn't be there. And I'd often clock in for him. I'd just say, and that, we just collect the money and it was all good. The costume department had actually um, put together, a t- you know, they, they the, the bath towel they bought or the, whatever it was. That was kind of like a, a slightly reddish colour um, and a dark reddish colour. And uh, they were going to do that and they coordinated that to go with the dark suit. You know, when I put the grey turban on, it didn't really go with the dark suit. And Kabir said, I want this turban, and it looks good. They asked me if I had one that was similar to that colour. I said, no, I don't. I don't kind of wear these turbans, that sort of colour. So they said, I want this turban. And they went and had to re-coordinate his suit. So the suit he wears on the, the fight scene on the train was coordinated to go with the turban, which right. is a grey suit. And he looks yeah, magnificent in it. It's quite funny because I actually kind of ribbed him a bit about this and so on. He didn't get my sense of humour at first, but he did eventually. I said, Kabir, I did you a massive favour because you look really smart in this. I said, just imagine if I hadn't turned up with this turban, you'd been wearing that big red thing on your head. And I said, looking like I do with skin colour, you just look like a swan vestus, like a match. <laughs> and, and, you know, all Bond has to do is strike you against a wall and watch your head explode. It was probably my childhood favourite. Mm. There, were, there were other ones I loved as much, but this was the one that brought me back to the years VHS. It must have been the go-to bond, certainly for Math and I and and maybe Harry and James. I sort of grow up knowing that it wasn't particularly that famous as a Bond film, maybe. Mm -hmm. It was sort of just become another 80s Bond film, that kind of thing, which wasn't terrible, which wasn't great. But most people, you know, laughed at the funny bits. I've never really heard any of the stunts mentioned or anything like that until recently. I went into the first review we did going into Octopussy thinking, well, I'm sure everyone thinks this is absolutely unbelievable. This That's why it was chosen. I, ca- I can't think of one that we watched more as a kid than this. I, I, I As kids, we, we, it was just, it's possibly the one that I and we are most familiar with. And it just, I don't know. I mean, Chris and I actually watched it together the other night and it, it's just, there's something so reassuring about it <laughs> mm. um, and just everything, everything in it and everyone who's involved in it seems to know exactly what they're doing and they know exactly what they're, they're part of. And it's just so enjoyable to watch. And, you know, I think we've said before that somehow Roger feels like a member of the family almost. And I feel like him in this I don't know. It's 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 typified in this for some reason. I'm <laughs> not that you'd want, <laughs> yeah. you know, you member of your family doing all the things that he does in this, but it's just it's just absolutely brilliant. As long as I can remember, I've known Octopussy the film and 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 loved it, um, and I still do to this day. I just think it's wonderful. People have almost forgotten it, and then everyone's like, oh, it's climbing up my rankings. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 really interested as to why it wasn't high up in. 
people's rights. Yeah, I don't know. I, is it to do with? Um, I was I was trying to think about that. That, that why was it seen? What just, just doesn't sort of it's so there are so many iconic things about the film, but it yeah. never quite became it never sort of attached itself in a cultural way that some of the other Bond films did and I don't know if that's because and I don't know why that's why it's gaining so much appeal now is because there is a timelessness to it in terms yeah. of mm-hmm. the plot it, it, it is aged really well like you say some of the some of the jokes some of the um you know some, some of the tonal issues that should we say that it has you know, to a new audience, people might like say roll their eyes. Some people might again; it might land perfectly because you, you're in on the joke, and that's the whole point, isn't it? There's, there is very much that with John Glenn's films. You you are in on the joke. What other film would you have? You know, a character play the theme music, and then the character go basically, "Oh, that's my theme music," <laughs> oh, and introduce himself. It's just Hello? better before, man. You know, it's better yeah. before it became popular. You know. And I and I, I do think it is 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 uh, it's a very classy bond. I think I think it has a uh, like I say it has a timelessness to it. I think his relationship, you know, with, with Octopussy is mature. You know, in both sense of that, it feels that it is grounded. And and the plot moves along. The set pieces, are, are, the stunts are fantastic, but it, but also you know grounded as well. It, it doesn't sort of go too far and become too fantastical. I think the plot is obviously the main thing here is because it's it's just an engaging story that is again timeless. You could you could remake Octopussy now and I, it would hit I mm. think just just as well. Um, but it is I don't know that like you say when you compare to something like you know A View to a Kill, you've got Silicon Valley, which is you know ages it. You got you've got you know obviously Grace Jones, which ages it to a certain <laughs> period when she was very popular. You know and there, there are certain things that really age it. But I'm watching you know, Octopus the other day, it's just the, Roger looks great in it. You know, and, and the acting, the characters, it's much more. Um, I don't know. It just feels like much more sophisticated, and the characters much more. You know, Kamal Khan is not necessarily a, he's a baddie, but he's not one-dimensional and a terrible person you know he's it's Stephen Burkhoff is absolute nuts and it's brilliant to watch him you know chewing up the scenery <laughs> so it's you know I just I think it has so much going for it and I think that's why it's sort of found this new audience you could show you could put it on and you know that kids will love it mm. you know that your gran will love it and I, I I can't think of any other Bond films that would be guaranteed to every you know pretty much everyone I, I remember when we, I, was, I was sort of revising it for the first review we did, and Jennifer just came on, and it was the Penelope Smallbone scene. I was like, "Oh, you love this! This is unbelievable!" <laughs> Didn't know who Penelope Smallbone was; just knew it was Money Penny Bond. She absolutely loved it. Well, I must say, you become more beautiful every day. I am over here. Oh, of course you are. And this is Miss Penelope Smallbone, my new assistant. Miss Smallbone. What can I say, Money Penny? Except that she is as uh, attractive and as charming as I used to be. I didn't say that. Oh, you're such a flatterer, James. No, oh, Money Penny. You know there never has been, and there never will be anybody but you. So you've told me. Welcome to Universal Exports. I don't know anyone who wouldn't find like that scene funny. <laughs> the, the auction scene. It, it is the greatest hits of Bond in in many ways. Maybe because of recent films, the audience would like a bit more of that greatest hits, where you've got everything, you've got the humour, you've got the silliness, 
you've got the serious Cold War stuff that people like now. Probably the the idea that, of course, when um, Connery was going to come back and do another movie, and they thought, well, we can't afford to risk putting somebody new in at this stage, so they go back to doing what they're doing. Roger does what Roger does. He would be the first to lampoon the whole idea that he has a number of different uh, approaches and a number of different styles, and he could do eyebrow up and eyebrow down and <laughs> blah, blah, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but nobody understands that character, the 1973 to 1985 character of Bond, better than Roger Moore, mm-hmm. who played it absolutely right. This is the Bond you're getting. And mm-hmm. he played him... <laughs> playing Roger Moore, playing Bond, playing <laughs> Brett Sinclair, playing <laughs> Templar. It's a big, me- you because you can take a bunch of those mm-hmm. scenes out of that and drop them into an episode of The Persuaders or drop them into The Wild Geese or drop them into something else. <laughs> it works because that's what Roger does. Um, I've never had an opportunity to see, I know they're, they're about somewhere, but I've never had an opportunity to see a shooting script from a Roger Bond picture. And I would be very interested to see it and, and to compare the amount of dialogue that is then removed you know, or indeed edited from the final edit, that final cut mm. from the shoot itself. Because I would imagine that he, you know, uses, he doesn't say a lot. You know, his Bond doesn't have a great deal of dialogue. He is Schwarzenegger esque uh, <laughs> in comparison, you know, comes on screen, does the job, says the line, yeah. moves on, and the audience goes with him. And, you know, it, it, that's, and I think that's, something that we probably need you know Mm -hmm. you need something like that you need reassurance that right i'm going to sit here i've paid my money and i'm going to sit here and be thoroughly entertained by this and as soon as he arrives on the screen you go ah safe pair of hands you know exactly what's going on you know that moment when he gets into the plane the, the 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 horse's backside goes up in the air and, and he gets into the plane you can feel the tension in the room going oh this is going to be good they know something <laughs> yes yeah. you know because roger's in a small plane and he's being chased <laughs> by a missile you know what could possibly go wrong you know an audience that right across the board that you can appeal to and a product that you can appeal to an entire audience roger just continues to deliver and i think he does it very well he's he's got a a fair amount of range that we've seen in this that we've seen in other movies you know that people forget these it's a, all right he's playing these characters because he's good at playing these characters but um he is an actor and he does do it very well you know and so the stuff that he is going through and that the moments with octopussy and the 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 scenes where the two of them are very close together and that that type of stuff explaining about the past and the father and the stuff and you know that's pretty good and and john glenn would have been very happy with that having a safe pair of hands like roger on set i think that's important most people's you know the general public would say spy love me is probably their favorite roger film but i i I think he's more likable as a person maybe in this one even though even though he's really funny in spy love me isn't he Mm -hmm. but he can be a bit of a dick at times (laughs) or is it it not octopussy he's just okay yeah he's been a bit naughty isn't he in the q scene yeah but with actual genuine characters, mm. the connections he forms with them, like VJ mm. and Octopussy, mm-hmm. they really do. They do really. I don't know. They stick a bit more than in these other films. I, I think it's. I do think it's his best performance. I'll say that. 
Yeah, no, I, I think you're. I think you're right. I think he's. This is. Like I say he's. It's him kind of combining the. Uh, you know the. the you, you've seen him change so much. You know, in terms of him trying to find the the the, the balance of you know where he sits in you know this, on the spectrum of how playing Bond. It's you know it's like you say it's Connery and at one end it's you know it's someone else and I think you know from you know the the man with the golden gun where he is quite you know he's quite ruthless in that and then you see that reappear in for your eyes only and I, I think that Octopus is is for me is is just the perfect balance yeah. of him um, like I say just being much more mature and 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 confident uh, but then you do get you know. Um, you know, oh, it's an island just populated, yeah. you know, by women. I must, you know, moonraker. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, no, I agree with you. I think he, I think he's excellent in this, and I don't think he gets enough credit for just, just what a solid actor he he is. I say it, it's, um, you know, he's he has he has tremendous uh, sort of charisma and screen presence, and people tend to forget that actually he can act, and you know, he can he has range from you know. Whether it is, you know, there's just moments where he turns in Bond where suddenly someone touches a nerve and you can just yeah. see the seriousness in it. But then the jokes, uh, you know, that'll keep you in Curry for a while. And, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, I can't imagine any other Bond delivering that that that, that dialogue. Yeah. I think that that is really, you know, so much of him. And like, like John saying, like, it would be interesting to see, you know, what what he does, you know, rather what he did in terms of those scripts, you know, when it came to dialogue, mm. whether he was just like, actually, can I rephrase this because it's more the way that I would say it rather than, you know, Michael mm. Wilson or, you know, would <laughs> would would write it. So um, it would be quite an interesting exercise. Well, he always put, well, before. Well. <laughs> Good evening, Bond fan friends and really 007 followers across the globe not just nationwide, but worldwide. My name's Kieran, and we are here today for the same reason, because we are celebrating the 40th anniversary, the ruby birthday of the one and only Octopussy. Yes, that's the title, and Ian Fleming coined that, so it is what it is. It's a title that does baffle and bemuse certain viewers and followers when they are first introduced to the film. But for me, Title aside, this is a film of great qualities, and they are certainly in abundance. So without further ado, I'm going to divulge my sentiments and thoughts in relation to this film and what I love about it so much. So let's not clown around any longer, shall we? You see what I did there? Okay, so the question I will ask myself is, what do I like about this film? What is it that is so special for me in regards to Octopussy? First and foremost, of course, Sir Roger. He's my Bond, he always has been, and he always will be. And even though there's argument for Sir Roger's age within this film, for me, I think he carries himself rather wonderfully, actually. He's got a quality, he's like a fine wine. Like a fine wine. He's like a fine wine, he's getting better with age. Now, of course, there's lots of debate for the next instalment of Utah Kill, but let's not enter into that territory today, shall we? But in this film, yes, he's older. And I think there's a certain wisdom that comes with that age. Like a fine wine, he's getting better. And, well, for 55, he looks phenomenal. Now, of course, by this point, he had been playing the part for 10 years. And there was uncertainty before the film went into pre-production, or when it was in the early stages, 
as to whether he would return. For me, I'm very grateful that he did. Of course, there were lots of other actors considered and of course tested. James Blow, James Blowlin? Crikey, I haven't even started this one yet. James Brolin, for example. And, <laughs> but yes, uh, I feel they made the right choice with Sir Roger, especially in light of the other James Bond movie that of course made an appearance in 1983. It was the Battle of the Bonds after all. But we shan't mention that film either. Anyway, yes, of course, Sir Roger Moore is the fundamental centrepiece of this film. And one of the many reasons why I adore this film as much as I do, I think he is absolutely wonderful. And like a fine wine, he is getting better with age. I think there's a great dynamic between him and of course, the other cast members, not least the main Bond girl, Octopussy herself. Of course, Roger was famous for having a great relationship with Maud Adams. You know, it's widely known that they had a great chemistry together, both on screen and off screen. And I feel that translates perfectly through this medium, this picture. And I think their dynamic is wonderful. You can certainly see it there. And I think it's potentially the best dynamic that he has with a leading Bond girl. Also, the dynamic between the Bond girls themselves is also really rather nice. And the villains, Kamal Khan, Kabir Badi, you've got a great dynamic there. And the chemistry, the character chemistry between all of them is really rather good. Even Orlov, even Stephen Burkhoff, who comes into it, this great Shakespearean actor who is widely known for, you know, being at the top of his game, or he certainly was at the time. You know, he comes in and he fits in perfectly with this cinematic James Bond, Bradagascio environment is perfect. So the dynamic between all the villains is great. Even the twins, even David and Tony Mayer, they are fantastic. I think they all work well together. I think the Bond girls bounce off each other. And James Bond certainly bounces off each of them. <laughs> but no, no, I think there's a great dynamic between all of these characters. And of course, the plot line. The plot line, I think, is absolutely brilliant. And sadly, tragically, not too far removed from certain events that are happening in the world as we speak, between the East and, of course, the West. This is a plot line that is tangible, I suppose, and could potentially take place, heaven forbid. Of course, none of us would ever want it to, but it's something that isn't too far removed from the realms of reality. Some plot lines, of course, are a little bit more exaggerated and far-fetched, but Octopussy is certainly something that you could potentially see happening if you squint your eyes. The music is phenomenal. I adore John Barry's score. And controversially, this is one of my favourite film themes. I think All Time High is absolutely outstanding. Truly, really is outstanding. And it's a killer Bond theme. Even though it's a slower, more melodic Bond theme, it's absolutely superb. There's just so many elements with this film. Great cameos, well, extended cameos, I suppose. Supporting roles we'll go with when it comes to the likes of VJ Armitage and other character actors within the film. I just think this film genuinely has everything that you could want from a Bond film, especially a film of the 80s. That element of cheese was still there from the 70s and it was perfect for its time and it's still perfect today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's a great film, and to be able to go down to the Nene Valley Railway this last weekend and celebrate with many like-minded fans, the cast and the crew, and have glorious weather to boot, was a celebration that I will remember for a very long time to come. It was a joy to be there. Here is to Octopussy, 40 years young. I will raise a glass, and here is to the next 40 years. Chin chin, folks. Let's all go out on an all-time high and enjoy this film for the next 40 years and beyond. Bye for now. David Lowbridge Ellis, a.k.a. Licensed to Queer, happened to be in London when joining in on the 40th anniversary celebrations. Hi, folks. I'm in London. As you can tell, this black cab and also an alarmingly pink jeep. Don't know what all that's about. But I'm here to wish happy birthday to Octopussy. I'm sure some of you already worked out the location I'm at. I feel really underdressed today. I feel like I should really be wearing a customary bow tie to represent uh, Jim Fanning's interest in this. Uh, but I have brought this along because Octopussy, in my eyes at least, is a glittering jewel of a film. And so what better thing to bring along, and what better thing to bring along here to, she works out by now, Sotheby's auction house from the film um, to wish happy birthday to Octopussy. The auction scene, mm. it's funny, but he's so assured, isn't he? Yeah. You, you never for one minute think this is a silly scene. You, you think he's going right to the limit of, I don't know, testing everyone's patience, but doing a really good job. The next lot is number 48. A superb green gold imperial Easter egg by Carl Fabergé. Enameled in translucent green, enclosed by gold laurel leaf trellis, set with blue sapphires and four petaled gold flowers with diamonds. How much should it fetch? And 250, 300,000 pounds, anything more would be crazy. Used by Tsar Nicholas in 1897 in Moscow. Property of a lady. Well, there are quite a few ladies here. Yeah. She wouldn't have to be here in person, you know. She would always be represented by proxy. I'll start it at 150,000 pounds. 150. 60. 170. 170. 180. 190. 200. Against you, madam. Any more? Now, there is a lady. 220,000 pounds. 240. James, stick to the business in hand. 260,000 pounds. 280. 300,000 pounds. And 20? Are you bidding, sir? 320,000 pounds, new bidder. Oh, that's interesting. 
You know it. Canal Khan. Usually a seller. Marginal quality from dubious sources. £380,000. Four hundred in the centre. Well, that should do it. Any more? Kamal has gone over the top. Your bid, sir. Four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand. Any more? Four twenty-five. New bidder. Thank you, sir. Four twenty-five. Have you gone mad? Let's see how badly he wants it. Four fifty. Four fifty. Four seventy-five. The bid is 450. 475? Against you, sir. No more than 450. Thank you. The bid is 450,000 pounds. I have 475. 500,000 pounds. 500,000 pounds. I have half a million pounds. All done? Any more? Yours, sir. 500,000 pounds. The next lot is number... He could have been stuck with it. I doubt it. He had to buy it. But why? That's what I intend to find out. It, it, it really doesn't get better for me, though. And the way it ends with the... That's what I intend to find out. I think this is the Bond film that I have changed my opinion on the most. I think when I grew up, I liked it. I've always liked it, but it, I, I always kind of saw it a bit middle of the road. Since coming back on this podcast, and especially being it the first film that we reviewed, watching it back, I, I remember just going through going, wow, this is a great scene. Wow, this is a great performance. Wow, these are great locations. Wow, this is a great stunts. And, and I think... It is one of the best films in the franchise now. I I currently have it at number eight in my rankings. I think it could go higher. I obviously talk about it a lot. My mum decided to buy me an Octopussy t-shirt for Christmas last year, which I was very grateful for. And I just think it's an absolutely outstanding film. And I'm going to go through a few things of why I think it is. So firstly, I think it's Roger Moore's yeah, I'm going to say it, Roger Moore's best performance as James Bond. I think it's his most rounded overall. I think his most comical performance is Moonraker. His most serious performance is For Your Eyes Only. And I think that this is a perfect balance of intertwining both of them together. No other film in the franchise would have Roger Moore Tarzan swinging through India or telling a tiger to sit one minute and then within half an hour, chasing down a nuclear bomb in East Germany, and the seriousness from those scenes, the tension that's built up, is because of Roger. I, I feel that it's it's a really mature performance from Roger. It's it's he is older, but it's not to his detriment. It's not like you you I, I still believe him as Bond. I still believe that it's him doing the stunts. It's not too obvious a stunt double. Uh, I still believe in the relationships he has. He still has that charisma. There's certain scenes where you think of like double sixes, fancy that. What a fantastic scene. That's Roger just being as cocky as you like and just pulling it off, just rolling the dice without even looking. So good. 
he is bouncing off everyone here. One of the things that why Roger is so great here is the chemistry he has with different characters. If you look at the allies, VJ is one of the best allies in the series. And it's because of the warmth of VJ's character and the warmth of the relationship that Roger has with him. You know, you look at like the Tuk Tuk Chase, which is a brilliant, brilliant set piece. And there are some really com comical moments in it, but there's also some really tense moments. But it's just played beautifully by Roger and VJ just bantering at the same time. And and that is something that I'd say that, like... Well, John Glenn most certainly was the master of this, but it's something that we miss in in this era of Bond, that we can find that nice balance of, yes, the tension, but also the fun aspect. It's a very caper-like chase, that. And then that performance, that chemistry with VJ, obviously then hits further home when we get to VJ's death. And, and VJ's a fantastic character, but Roger's performance, just the way that Roger looks and says, no more problems, it's heartbreaking to see it to see it you've really invested in a character which on the surface could just have been quite a quite a run-of-the-mill ally and i think that, that is down to the warmth of vj and roger's performance roger's performance also like is highlighted for his chemistry with octopussy octopussy for me is by far and away the best bond girl of roger's era it's the most believable relationship if roger's bond was to settle down with anyone i think 100% it would be Octopussy. I just, I like that there's a backstory. I like that he knew Octopussy's dad and gave, and Octopussy's dad obviously killed himself. It was a very serious, very, very serious um, storyline, plotline. And, and I think that, you know, it could go either way that Roger could realise, James Bond could realise there that she wants to avenge him for that murder. And yet there's this nice twist that actually she wants to thank him because she allowed him to have a dignified death. And I just love that. It's such a lovely twist. One thing I notice every time I watch Octopussy more and more is actually there's probably only about five minutes screen time of Roger and Maud Adams in India. And yet in that screen time, you are 100% invested in that relationship. You feel, yes, they could settle down. Yes, they are on the same level. That, that, that's no mean feat. You know, a lot of films would focus a chemistry of a Bond and a girl, their relationship, all the way throughout the film. And yet, like, five minutes of screen time and you're fully invested in these. And then when you get back to East Germany and basically James Bond's having to get octopussy to trust her that there is a nuclear bomb and showing in the Rome, showing her the romanov star and it's only because of the investment in that character that she takes a risk to potentially botch her whole operation and trust roger moore there credit to maud adams maud adams is fantastic in this role i think it's no mean feat that someone can come back from another film do two completely different performances from the one with the man with the golden gun and i never think that's the same person i i fully buy maud adams is 
characters as two separate characters and that's really credit to her performance as well and credit to obviously her her friendship with roger the um the warmth came on screen q absolutely brilliant in this scene john glenn brings the best out of q he gets um gets him out in the field a lot more than he previously has done and q's superb yes some of the some of the antics of roger in this are problematic to say the least would be called sexual harassment then but you've got to look at the screen there and, and everybody's enjoying it everybody and it's silly it shouldn't happen now but it's playful i don't think it should be something that should be cancelled or edited out or anything of the sort the villains in this set piece are absolutely brilliant you you've got it's a, it, i kind of see it if i if i'd see if i want to describe the villain the, the only other trio in Bond films I can think of is The Living Daylights in terms of Koskov, Whitaker, and Necros. And here you've got all of Kamal Khan and Gabinda. And, and whilst I think Necros especially in The Living Daylights is outstanding, I, I just think that this trio works better. And I think it's because all of especially is Stephen Burkhoff hams it up to the max. He's a comic book character. He's that megalomania, maniacal um, Russian general. And he's brilliant. He knows the film he's in and he's just cranking it up to 10. And I love this nuance of Bond of films, especially Cubby was superb at this. The, it's not as black and white as the USSR are bad, England's good. You've got you've got Gogol playing off this, and Gogol great performance here by Walter Cattell. And Gogol is sympathetic. He 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 is not someone who is wanting to uh, start nuclear war. So instead of focusing it as Russia as the enemy, they they take a psychopathic general who basically Russia disagree with. I love that. Um, I love Kamal Khan a lot more. Very suave, very sophisticated, but probably deliberately underplayed, really, in parts by by Louis Jordan. And I love that about him. He, he, he's an Afghan prince at the end of the day, and he is superb. And he's a bit of a wuss as well, you know, the octopusy, octopusy, all that. You know, I was going to give you the Franks. We were, he, he, he's slimy, and he plays the part brilliantly. Gabinda is a fantastic henchman, probably from the same kind of mould as Odd Job, in terms of the silent, faithful henchman, very strong, the crushing the dice, very similar in his approach, but just a great 80s interpretation of that character. And, and those three villains work so well, all three having very, very different deaths. You know, all of's death, wow. The, the um, just the desperation of a man trying to stop a train and bullets shooting him. And then obviously, I will be a hero of the Soviet Union. And then falling to his death in just what a manner. Gabinda, the stun on the aeroplane is one of the best stunts in the series. Absolutely outstanding what's going on there. Um, BJ Worth, Jake Lombard, as per usual, aerial stunts unmatched. Unmatched in what they do. What they do is just outstanding there. I do love that even though you have got this incredible jaw-dropping aeroplane stunt, 
Gabinda's death is the most Roger Moore death going in terms of just flicking the aerial on his head. I love that. That's that's it's just brilliant. That it's just keeping in character, and then Carnes is just he's just crashing the aeroplane and goes up in smoke. And I think that that it's a nice irony is that a man who you know was trying to set a massive explosion off goes off in a massive explosion himself. Uh, it's an absolutely outstanding set piece. Talked about the Allies as well, but as well as VJ, you know, you've got some cracking secondary characters as Allies. You've got Jim Fanning. What a brilliant scene that is at Sotheby's. What an absolutely brilliant scene. That's Roger at his coolest. He's very golden in this film, isn't he? The more I think about it, he really is. Obviously, we've got Mishka and Grishka as villains as well. Two brilliant twins played by David and Tony Meyer. Just superb. Their scene at the beginning with 009 is one of the most chilling post credit scenes there is actually in Bond you know I think Bond usually does have this trope of straight after the credits we'll we will usually we can move to some kind of disaster happening you know you think of say For Your Eyes Only with the murder of the Havelocks you think of Tomorrow Never Dies with the Devonshire to me I, th- I still think this one's the most chilling the death of 009 the reveal of Mishka when you know Grishka has been chasing 009 and then he turns around and Mishka's right there and the throwing of the knife on the bridge and then 009 just crawl into the British embassy going through going through the glass it's it's hammer horror in some ways and and it's an absolutely brilliant scene and and it's testament to John Glenn that I will say in a lot of ways, Octopussy is one of the most child-friendly films, and yet even in that, you have so many just absolutely harrowing scenes in it. Uh, Magda, Christina Wayborn, superb. Scene with Roger just in the bedroom. Wow, what a great scene. Um, still not sure what Make Your Make Ours a Living Cup means. If anyone knows that, please let us know. But yeah, it's great, and, and she's... Her role is a very different role. If you think of like secondary Bond girls, they're either sacrificial lambs or out-and-out villains. And and Magda's neither, actually. Magda is... You think she's a villain, but ultimately she's part of Octopussy's group and she is very much an ally by the end of the film infiltrating the Monsoon Palace. And I think that that is a nice twist on that secondary Bond girl character. When it comes to music, I, I, I think it's one of John Barry's most Bondian scores. I, I, as I listen to it back, the soundtrack, there's so much of the Bond theme. And I think that, I wonder if some of that's really deliberate, obviously with the, the battle of Never Say Never Again and there's, you know, the rights that Eon have that Kevin McClory didn't have and really using that Bond theme in the right context um, throughout the scenes. But having said that, you know, it's not just all about Bond themes. We've got we've got the absolutely fantastic Octopussy battle at the at her palace music, the da, 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 which is like an Indian version of Coronation Street, which I absolutely adore. And yeah, it's a cracking score. Um, I, all Time High as a song is a good song. It's not my favourite Bond song, but what John Barry does is he puts in the the cues for the romance scene so well. 
of all-time high and you just can't argue with those scenes especially you know you think of the scene where where roger forces a kiss on on octopussy and he says we're right we are two of a kind without music that scene is horrendous and yet you never come away cringing with it because john barry's score is emphasizing that this is a romantic scene and i think this that's lovely the plot I haven't got a clue what's going on. We're looking for we're looking for a Fabergé egg, we're then looking for a Romanov star and there's some smuggling going on and then it turns into a double double cross and we're now a nuclear bomb. I don't care. I don't care because I'm so invested in this film of what's happening. I just enjoy every minute. My me and Rachel, my wife sat down for to watch this and she she's not a massive Bond fan and and you know, I've watched a couple of Rogers with her. She was very bored throughout View to a Kill. She's wrong, but she's very bored. She wasn't a massive fan of Spy Love Me. She loved this film. She thought this film was really, really funny. And it is a cracking film. There's so many scenes that have this great contrast between tension and humour. And then finally, ironically, the pre-title sequence, maybe I should have started with that. I think it was Rob who said this to John Glenn, where he said, it's like a, it's like a movie in itself. It's almost like the climax of the previous film or a separate mission that leads on to the, uh, the new film. And, and, and I love that. This plot has absolutely nothing to do with the rest of the film. And yet I wouldn't change it for the world. Great use of the Acra star. What an absolutely phenomenal 80s version of Little Nelly. Yoritoro 2, superb. This film, it's just enjoyment after enjoyment after enjoyment. I, I adore this film and, and I find myself smiling throughout the film. I know I've talked a lot about probably the technical aspects here and stuff, but this film is so enjoyable and you do go through a range of emotions throughout it. And, and for that, I just think, you know, John Glenn deserves so much credit. Roger Moore deserves so much credit. Yeah, happy 40th anniversary to Octopussy. Thank you for being with us. It's a great film. Marcus Patea joined in on the praise for Octopussy. 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 The scene where Bond and Khan meet by playing backgammon is great. Roger with his egg and Kamal with his dices. It's all in the wrist. The dinner by the hotel's pool is of course very stylish and glamorous, even lavish. And I enjoy the following lovemaking in the beautiful hotel suite. The souffle can't wait, the courses, Kamal eating the eye, and Bond's quips about the nightcap are essential to the octopusy experience. Bond escaping with John Glenn's signature motif, the startled pigeon, is a suspenseful sequence. The other villain arriving, Bond eavesdropping and then hiding. Roger's Bond is Roger's Bond at its best, just as we like to remember it and him. When he gets out of the crocodile submarine, Moore proves his acting skills by switching from comedic to mournful in a split second. You can hear from his voice that he's experienced grief in real life as well. A man of Roger's years and experience can do that. Roger killing the first brother and then the other. And this is for 009. Don't mess with Uncle Roger. I like this scene. The smug brothers get what's coming to them. 
The fight on the roof of the plane make my hands sweaty every time. Steven Berkhoff's overacting is always a joy to watch. Demit outdated and unrealistic policies. Shogodan's Khan is charming, suave and cruel. Octopussy is a bedtime story for adults. It's a class A entertainment as are most of the Bond films and especially Rogers Bond films. Good escapism. Not too serious. This is definitely one of the better Bonds. I think it could well be his best performance as Bond. I think he shows range. You know, he does show the sort of that assurance and that steadiness and that coolness in the role. But he does he does showcase, you know, some sort of more serious aspects and darker not darker, but you know, like I say, serious in tone. Like when he's confronting um Orloff in the in the train. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, when he's talking to uh Octopussy when they're exploring that, you know, she's saying he was the one who kind of was sent after her father and she like respects the fact that Bond gave him the, the opportunity to actually take his own life rather than be, you know, humiliated, etc. Which it's it's quite underrated that there is that yeah. bit of backstory. Yeah, it is. But they don't dwell on it. They don't keep coming back to mm-hmm. it. You remember Major Dexter Smythe? You were sent out to arrest him, weren't you? Seems to have done your homework. Thank you. Yes, Smythe, after a brilliant military career, was seconded to our secret service. His mission was to recover a cache of Chinese gold seized in North Korea. Both he and his native guide disappeared. The gold was never found. And 20 years later, you were sent after him? Well, the guide's body turned up with a bullet still in his skull from Smythe's service revolver. I traced Smythe to Sri Lanka, faced him with the facts and gave him 24 hours to clear up his affairs before I took him back. He committed suicide rather than face the disgrace of a court-martial. What's the connection? He was my father. I'd hoped fate would bring us together one day. To avenge him? No, to thank you for giving him an honourable alternative. Roger is just, he's so good at being able to get chemistry with almost all his co-stars so if you go right you know right the way from the pre-title sequence even with bianca yeah i mean i know you hardly say anything but but then into into the scene with money penny and penelope smallbone then with m and the defense minister and then jim fanning he's got great chemistry with jim fanning the auction scene is absolutely brilliant you know what a brilliant idea on on the page or whatever you know it might have thought is this is this going to be that interesting how will how will that work but then it just really comes across it's absolutely brilliant his chemistry with with magda and then you know with the villains and everything but but with octopussy and vj and q just absolutely just tremendous chemistry and it's only he he perhaps more than any other bond actor is able to connect with his co-stars i think yeah because you the reaction to vj's death is not it's not one of wailing. It's I'm still a professional. I've got to get on with this. Proper angry, but trying to hold it in. The look on Roger's face, you know, because he's wet through, isn't he, from coming yeah. in the crocodile. The scene we've mentioned with all of that is not mentioned enough for me by Bond fans. I think that the way John Glad sort of sh- shoots it as well, the classic one-two setup where it mm. gradually zooms in on the faces. 
and and it's building and building to that moment with the just that the whistle of the train it's just so good and then the guy comes in and it and then it starts <laughs> off an amazing action sequence leave that let's go let's stay sit on that box hands on your knees come on move why is that bomb on the train who are you i'm british secret service You should be more concerned about getting out of here alive. I am more concerned about an atomic bomb exploding on a U.S. Air Force base. You surely can't be inviting a full-scale nuclear war. What happens when the U.S. retaliates? Against whom? Thank God. Thank God, of course. Our early warning system will rule out the possibility of that bomb having been launched from Russia or anywhere else. Everyone will assume, incorrectly, that it was an American bomb triggered accidentally. Oh, that would be the most plausible explanation. Europe will insist on unilateral disarmament, leaving every border undefended for you to walk across at will. And it doesn't matter a damn to you, I suppose, that thousands of innocent people will be killed in that accident of yours. Better than letting a handful of old men in Moscow bargain away our advantage in disarmament talks? On your feet, General. You're going to stop that train. It's too late. You can stop it at the border. For me, it's also talked about but Stephen Burkoff. I think this is really probably the mm. first time when you've had somebody else in the cast, not necessarily a main villain. He's a protagonist, you know, he's part of that. Yes, he is, yeah. Arm team. Yeah. But certainly, of course, Stephen Burkoff and, and uh, Roger had worked together many times on the episodes of The Saint. Uh, Burkoff's in a couple of episodes of The Saint. Um, so they would have known each other of old. And Stephen Burkoff being, uh, had done some film leading up to this. But that year, of course, was his On the Strength of Octopussy. And then uh, Beverly Hills Cop, which came out the following year. So mm. and the, the, the one sort of dogtailed the other. Uh, dovetailed the other but the um the way in which he is such a really seriously powerful actor playing you know and as somebody mentioned the phrase which i love the phrase eating the furniture and he is mm. he's yeah. absolutely devouring every single <laughs> sentence in that script that shot of him in the set where he's on the committee and he's explaining to people mm. you know and he's got the map and the whole the wonderful peter lamont set that revolves around mm-hmm. he's magnificent everything he says mm. the slightest little thing when he's talking to the uh um he's talking to the jeweler um and uh you know they're referring to the egg and the bits and pieces yeah. bang the egg slams down and his complete focus is on you know how important he is and how his plan is never mind all of this i know what they're saying but i'm going to be doing this he's such an incredibly powerful character and mm. bond with him ultimately in that train compartment um is is a is is the moment that maybe the audience had been waiting for yeah. you know this guy's operating mm. here bonds here are they ever going to find each other yeah. mm. eventually they do and they're in the same train compartment um, mm. leads up to that extraordinary chase. That was fascinating. You've got Burkoff in this picture, uh, Louis Jordan, who is just, you know, it doesn't mm. matter what you throw at him, he's going to give you a, a fabulous performance. But Burkoff is the linchpin, I think, in the picture yeah. for that real powerful rogue 
official, the army official, and of course in a View to a Kill, you've then got Christopher Walken. All of a sudden, you've got a huge mm. actor, mm. you know. And so things just keep progressing as things as time goes on. I think he's a, a very important character in, in Octopussy, certainly mm. for for this meeting of minds between him and Bond. That's I think there's almost like a like yin, yin and yang with with Kamal Khan yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and him. Yeah, it's the, the Louis Joran just is is just is just has this grace and he's very slow and he's very he just takes his time every, the, the, his entire performance. And then you've got Berkhoff like barking, you know, <laughs> yeah. shout, pointing at people, and you know. Yeah. And I, I just love that the, these two, you know, completely different characters are just mm. sort of, like you say, they're, they're on the, the track to doing, uh, have a common cause, but they're not really. They've got their own yeah, stuff, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. They're, they're in it for themselves and for what's how they're going to, you know, get out of this. And I, 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 that was one thing that really stood out. It's just how good Louis Jordan is in this film. His performance is, is he, he's just so classy and uh, a great kind of foil to, to Burkhardt. Well, I would have taken that double myself. Then uh, why don't you take over the Major's position? Uh, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Thank you, I'd be delighted. 100,000 rupees, then. Double six. It was not such a good double to accept after all, was it? You can only win with a double six. The stake is 200,000 rupees. Do you have the cash? Well, I think that this should be ample security. Don't you? Play, Mr. Bond. You need a great deal of luck to get out of this. Oh, luck? Well, then I shall use player's privilege and use your lucky dice. It's all in the wrist. Double sixes. Fancy that. 200,000 rupees. I prefer cash. Get it cashed for him. Yes, sir. Spend the money quickly, Mr. Bond. I intend to. I do I do think I think it's pretty original that clearly the main threat to I don't know, the West or the world is all of. Yeah, he, yeah. He's the one who, you know. Um, I've just started watching uh, Jack Ryan series three, and the plot is not that dissimilar to what Orlov is wanting to do. You know, Russian movement or, you know, rogue element trying to destabilize the the Iron Curtain or X Iron mm. Curtain in order to weaken that. And then, you know, the passage into the, the West almost. And yeah, and so Orlov is is the main antagonist, antagonist in, in this. However, Really, Kamal Khan would probably be the one that you said is the main villain in this film, in in a sort of 
by how much time and the and the sort of scenes that are devoted to him and the end confrontation and everything. Um, but he's not he's not evil like well, you wouldn't say he wasn't like an evil, you know, I don't know, megalomaniac yeah. or psychopath or something. He's just someone who who does what he does yeah. and you know is almost he, he doesn't mind what happens with the with the whole you know atomic bomb or whatever if that's what happens but this is what i'm doing with the smuggling of the jewelry and everything i'll enable these things to happen but i don't actually do that bit but if that happens so be it um it's a bit of a hans so gruber type character isn't he yeah 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 yeah, yeah he is in in the film itself he's he's the thief you know, he's mm. the yeah, guy that yeah, goes, yeah. all he wants is the, you know, he wants the, the, the yeah. currency, he wants the Frank, he wants this, he wants that. Uh, and enabling that gives um, the bomb to be planted, et cetera, et cetera. And then that is what will then trigger Orloff's dream uh, yeah. for one side. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, he's just, you know, even though he's he's the, the main villain, but he is, I think, a smaller cog in the wheel. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. His presence alone allows... Um, again, you know this this uh, being a thief and and being that sort of character and being a prince and is whisked into places. It's very similar to, you know, a an undercover British Secret Service agent walking into a bar and somebody going, "Ah, oh, mm. Mr. Bond," you know that sort of thing. It's, it's a similar sort of thing played out on a, on a bigger scale. But I think uh, Orloff is is a better villain if you're going to have a villain. I think he's. I, I'd love to have seen uh, a slight change of direction and maybe he him being the the, mm. the, the main villain of the piece but uh yeah i think yeah uh, it's interesting because they say it, 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 he is he's the peril isn't it it's mm. like that's that's mm. the that's he is the ticking you know yeah. time bomb literally while you know camel khan and that's where he sort of grounds it in that that it's it's much more you know it's a it's a believable kind of like I say it's a believable sort of antagonist to 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 them and you know with the whole kind of you know the the forging you know jewelry and it just it just keeps it it just it's just a really nice and it got kind of keeps it kind of personal without it being too kind of uh ridiculous like mm. oh they've known each other for years there is a little bit obviously a bit of that with without pussy's uh father and stuff but yeah it, it is interesting that you wouldn't have thought that something like that would work where you've got almost like two competing villains as such you know the the one who's who's actually causing the most trouble that plot actually finishes before the film does yes yes it's that's right. like, he gets killed the bomb stops and then you realize hang on a minute there's still this and this to to, to resolve mm. and it kind of brings you back down to a more of a personal kind of um you know, kind of, of course, it, it, effectively from a team heist perspective, because you've got Orloff doing one thing, you've got Khan who is in cahoots with Octopus. Mm. Yeah, none yeah. of yeah. this is yeah. going to work without mm. her circus being the big blind here yeah. that everybody's not seeing. You know, they're operating it in 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 plain sight so that everybody could see it. And in the meantime, all of this chaos is happening, and the coming across the border control and the, they're taking off the train and that's happening here. So there's a whole bunch of other bits and pieces going on. So mm -hmm. I can see how people turn up and go, this is really complicated, <laughs> complicated yeah. plot because there is a lot happening at once, you know? And re really, Octopussy is the one, Octopussy and Kamal Khan have more of the, you know, antagonism and protagonism, if you know what I mean. Yeah, She's yeah. the one who at the end says, you know, where where was Kamal going? After the bomb's been, um, right. you know, diffused or whatever, you know, 
where was Kamal going? Back to India, I think Magda says. So so then that's what Octopussy does. She goes to confront him. And it's only because of that that Bond goes to to mm. India. The mission, the main mission's been been completed. So it's Gone. it's yeah, Octopussy so. and Kamal Khan who have the real kind of, you know, it's it it, you know, I don't know, not rivalry, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, the relationship is quite it, it's Again, it's quite complicated and it, and, and also quite different in the, the fact that, you know, Kemal Khan will go to Octopussy and, and say, this is what we should do. And she'd be like, no, we're not going to do that. And she would and he would kind of respect that decision. I think obviously he would then go off and do whatever he yeah, wanted. Yeah. But it was quite that, that dynamic is quite different. He sort of comes to her for like, you know, for, for permission or advice. Um, but obviously he's still got his own thing going on and you don't really kind of, yeah, it's just a really interesting dynamic. And the, obviously there is a, you know, there is that kind of like the, the, a certain revenge aspect to the end, isn't it? Where she, mm. she can't let him get away with this. She's got to, yep. she's, she's got to get him. In terms of the, the henchmen then, there's quite a few of them here, aren't there? Mm. This film we've got instantly and, you know, we, we've heard that John Glenn was trying to, Get back David Lean, that first very first scene of Great Expectations, where the 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 boys is walking, walking, then he bumps into that guy, and it's a proper shock. And with the clown, just the, the cold open, as they say, isn't it? Just the clown walking. We don't know what what on earth is going on here because you've seen one henchman chasing him, yeah, and then the what? There's another of the same person. Mm. Who he bumps into is so good. Yeah, you can and immediately, like them. these two, these are great characters. You mm. can still hear the um, the uh, the circus noise. Yes. From yeah, you can. As the camera comes up and then over the wall, and and then <laughs> so you realize they're in this. It's it's very clever. Uh, it's a very clever opening, and and it uh, it works terribly well. Hi, I'm actor, stuntman, coordinator. Andy Bradford, and you're listening to Really 007. The scene with 009, and we were talking before, this is actually the plot of the of the whole film. This is what the film hinges on, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So whilst it may only be necess- one scene as such, it's actually one of the most important. And for me, as I was thinking about it, possibly the best post-title sequence in the series, like straight after the credit sequence. I mean... Okay. I mean, it, Octopus in itself, you've got this idea where you've just had this unbelievable acro star, like pre title sequence. Yes, yes, yeah. Bombastic, very OTT, very adventure based. And then you're going straight into East Berlin and you've got a clown running. And the fear well, coming I like the from you. over the wall. I love it. Oh, it's yes. unbelievable. So please just tell us how you came to get that role, how you prepared well, for it, because yeah, we just well, love to know. I, I probably owe, my, I certainly owe Martin Grace, dear Martin. You know, think about him a lot still. Uh, he he was on a recce with Bob Simmons uh, because, and they they got to a point where on this Neen Valley they were out looking at this thing, and he said, "We've got to get the actor here. We've got to, and we've got a stunt double in, in the waterfall. Shit, we uh, so many. We got another." And Martin said, hey, excuse me, John, but I know somebody who could do both the stunts and the acting. Mm. He said, sure. He said, can he act? Yeah, yeah, he can act. I promise you. He's a clown, too, in his real life. So that's how it happened. And John sort of remembered me from For Your Eyes Only, just that little bit when I, I look mm. through the window and, you know, come out yeah. of the fence, gets us in. Yeah. And when I was going, and that, I owe that to Martin. 
yeah so i that was really down to martin and on the plane out to berlin there was a, the opening start of the filming for octopussy i think it was there i think they started in berlin mm. john glenn suddenly i'm sitting there reading my god you know a bit left always been left and, uh, john glenn sat down next to me and i thought what, why is me up at the front why is me up at the front with the rest and we started to talk and he was starting to he didn't know what i'd done he just took martin's word that i'd done a bit of acting in my time yeah mm. yeah so i went to berlin and I just thought, yeah, I could, I can do this. We really explained the situation, so I just did it. You have to. It's stage acting. You have much more time to prepare. Sometimes too much time, and mm. uh, you know, you just you play. There was no background to this guy for me at that time. John let me have his sort of what I thought, and they seemed to like it. I there is one thing I was with Michael Wilson. I got to the bar. In, after the first day's filming, I'd seen the rushes, and it's it's what we call actors' paranoia. It went out. I'm having a beer, and uh, he came at Michael gave it and said, "You've uh, um, seen the rushes, eh?" And I went, "I had that. Oh shit! I'll be that bad." And he did turn to me, Michael Wilson. He said, "Have you ever thought about acting?" And I said, "Sometimes, yeah, I do." <laughs> what's always what's always struck uh, not only us but but many who have seen the film hundreds of times as, as all of us have but is is your ability as an actor as a performer as a stunt performer but also as an actor to put on screen absolute fear because you yes. are running for your life as a character you are running away from these two knife wielding characters from the circus. And the, uh, there's a moment where you hear a noise, you turn, you turn back, you run the expression on your face is one of absolute fear. You are running for your life. And then the hat comes off and then the balloon bursts and other things, yeah, yeah. moments, just moments. Uh, I, I've often wondered if anybody else, uh, maybe the initial idea was we must get an actor who can do this. And Martin's gone, well, hang on, I know somebody who can not only do this, but can do that. You know, so you combine the two together. Yes. I've yeah, always yeah. wondered if it may not have worked with anybody else. And I think that's the massive strength that you had. Yes. To be able to mm -hmm. deliver not only the physicality of the whole thing, but the emotion of the whole thing as well. It's very powerful. But thank you, John. That's a um, very nice thing to say. I think one aspect that gets me is the actual clown shoes, and 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 what it is with that is 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 that they they look silly, but they somehow add to the horror because yeah, you're absolutely right. Because you don't have time. It's like wearing high heels. I do that a lot. But um, you know, you can to move in them is quite something. I'm Precisely, very difficult. I didn't like the. I wasn't sure about the fight, but in fact, it's sort of clown and with the beats. It's sort of sort of works with the big shoes and the knee up you know yes it was all a bit how can i say 70s type but, but bob is you know you different do it different now it's not but it, it has a style <laughs> It's 
quite nightmarish, it, isn't it? It's like yes. like nightmares you have you know you can't is, yeah. climb the stairs or you can't run fast enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is it, it is one of those interesting things because uh, throw a stick you'll hit half a dozen people who really can't stand clowns. There's something about clowns that appeals to a generation of people and then when they get older they go, "Oh, do you know clowns I can really do without them." Uh, I think Stephen King's had an awful lot to do with that and that hasn't helped. But the no. basis of the clown and then not only being the clown but also being the victim in this situation as well it's uh it's it's very very cleverly done it really is well thank you <laughs> one of the in my opinion and i think we all agree very unfair criticisms of octopussy is sometimes roger moore in a clown suit and all the rest of it but the the, the clown aspect i mean it was david and tony meyer who brought up the, the twinning aspect of 009 yeah, and yeah, roger yeah, yeah. both as clowns but uh it's uh, we can't you can't tell in those which one's you you can't tell which one is the is your replacement and you well, can't it's only at the end every scene i did except the last day's film yeah. and that's a sad thing for me i'm really upset by that but hey I, it and you can't tell that it's roger moore when he gets in you all look the same and as yes. an i and that's the point as a secret agent you should cover, is it? <laughs> that's it it's it's, it's, it's don't it's, go into his tent <laughs> <laughs> i mean i've got to say this just for our viewers um is there a is there a piece of clothing that you might have got with you that you uh you could show people is that is that there <laughs> the moment where you are hit in the back and you fall back into the water yeah just what 12, 12 or 15 16 feet something like that but you were taken away with the current quite quite a lot it, it was a fair old uh, yeah turn of i was surprised seeing it the other weekend when we were back to mm. the 40th anniversary and i thought wow this is quite rapid i don't I can't remember whether you whether you wore a pad or not now, you did did you have a uh, you had a wetsuit underneath i just yeah because we did, weren't sure of the depth i hadn't been in to sort of really wrecky at first right but i knew if i flat if you flat the water you don't go any depth mm. and i think i i did wear a wetsuit because martin suggested i get one and right. i hadn't i always um I went to swim still in Christmas Day. I go and pond anywhere in the world. I hope to have a swim outdoors Christmas mm. Day. I shower outside. My whole brave family. boy, that's what you are. <laughs> no, no. You catch me. This is the Really 007 podcast. My name is David Meyer, and I played Grishka in Octopussy. Really 007 podcast. This is Tony Meyer, plays Mishka in Octopussy. The knife-throwing twins. You've got us both. And this is for my brother, Grishka. I remember Arthur saying, coming back uh, the next day, and said, we've seen the rushes. They're really good. Um, we've got that wonderful reflection uh, of the yeah. light on the delicates. Yeah. And then he looked, looked at my face and said, and, and of course, you look terrific in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing. What about me? <laughs> that does register quite well, does it? I mean, yeah. I oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. I mean, you were Harry. You were showing your kids yesterday. This was. I was going to say I was showing my daughter it yesterday, and it completely took her by surprise. And you know, also all kinds of questions like, "But wait, but what? He was over there, but now he's here. And why is he as a clown? Where's he go?" There's so many questions. <laughs> but that's for anyone watching. It's you know, there's just people pursuing one person pursuing another, but so many questions coming. Yeah. So it's a brilliant scene you're part of. Guests have arrived, Ambassador. We should go, my dear. The 
whole clown outfit works yeah. terribly well. I know it's generational changes in, in the direction in which people don't like the picture, you know, mm -hmm. in a clown suit. Well, it's just look where he is. Mm. Who's going to want to? You want to look like everybody else? Okay, well, you do this, you know. Makes a great deal of sense, I think, long term. Keep listening for part two of our 40th anniversary celebrations for Octopussy.